you today. It's always good to be here. And what you saw on the video there, that's my natural voice. And I work real hard at this one. Did you ever hear yourself on tape? Uh, anybody? And you were really pleased with your voice? And I, I just, I, I don't know how you guys put up with me, but I'm really glad you have. Um, yes. <laughs> Somebody has to do it, right, Dean? God bless you, man. Uh, but um, really, what a uh, Robbie does a great job with that, Janice and Robbie, and really, we're really pumped up for this uh, event that's coming up, and and really, we are in a spiritual warfare. There's something going on in our world. Uh, we really want, we really, we can't stress that enough. The elders will do that as well, and uh, we really need you here during that two-day event that we have coming up, and I want to encourage you as a minister to be here if you can. Bring somebody. Bring somebody with you. It's a really good time. This guy is really, really, really good, and you won't want to miss it, okay? So come and be a part of that and, and be praying about it. Be praying about it. Um, now for today's message, I guess. A bus driver and a minister were standing in line ready to get into heaven. St. Peter walks up and says to the bus driver, he says, Welcome. I understand that you are a bus driver. I said, Yes, sir. He said, well, I happen to be in charge of the housing up here. He said, you see that mansion over there? He said, that's yours. So he walked off. Well, the minister steps up, and he stands up real straight. He's like really impressed, thinking to himself, hey, if the bus driver gets a mansion, I can only imagine what I get. So he says, St. Peter says, well, welcome. I hear that you're a preacher. He said, yes, sir. He said, well, you see that shack over there? He said, that's yours. Minister said, well, wait, wait just a minute. This doesn't make any sense to me. That's the bus driver, and he gets a mansion. And I'm the preacher of the gospel, and I've led people to Christ and told them about God. Why does he get a mansion and I get a shack? And St. Peter simply said, well, it seems that when you preached, people slept. And when the bus driver drove, people prayed. <laughs> okay, nobody's sleeping today. I would say this morning, without prayer, we're sunk. That's it. We're sunk. We could say amen and we could go home today because that is the truth. Prayer is a valuable tool for the Christian. And it's given by God for us to have permission to communicate with Him. It is one of, if not the most fascinating things that God allows us to do. To enter the throne room of God. We cannot make an impact in our world unless we, the people are of God, are filled with a hug from God on a daily basis, regularly. We need that in our lives. In the series of messages that we've been on in the spiritual growth, We've been trying to teach us that in our spiritual walk, we need these things to grow spiritually. And if we need these to grow spiritually, it will affect us numerically or it will affect our world around us, which will cause us to grow as a body of Christ. That's the natural course that God has set in order. So for us to be able to grow numerically, we have to grow spiritually. Series, we've talked about three different areas already. We've talked about first about it is a decision that you make. Your spiritual growth will not happen by accident. 
You won't wake up one morning and go, wow, I am so spiritual. It has to be a decision on your part to grow spiritually. Secondly, we talked about the love of God and the importance of learning to love God back. God loves you unconditionally. We have to learn to love God back. And through that process, growing our love for God, we grow our love for each other. And growing our love for each other, we grow spiritually in our lives. And then last week, we talked about the spiritual growth through the study of God's Word. You need to know what God is telling you. There's a reason why He's given us His Word. It's for us to read, not for a decoration to set on a table. There's a reason why God gives us His Word. Because it is all truth. Not somewhat truth, not a little bit of truth. It is all truth. And if you have a truth, you have a foundation. And if you build from that foundation, you can only grow by it because you are standing on the truth, but not just something that I say, but what God says will come to pass in your life. And so we move through those three things already. We have at least 18 of them that I want to get to. Now, I wanted to try to do another two this week, but there's not a way I can do that. But I'm going to talk about prayer today, about communication with our God. If you will, our personal, and I'm going to challenge you today in your personal prayer life. Not pray with me, please, when the preacher says it or a a person leading us in a prayer, or not something that your mom and dad does, or not something that you asked your children to do at night, but your personal prayer life. We're going to talk about that communication with God. Now, having served in the military, like many in this room, you understand, we've understood that they teach us from the get-go is that if you are cut off from communication, you are in big trouble. And so you have to stay with that communication to stay out of trouble. Because when you need some help, you can call for help, and it's there. It's very important. But it's also, I would say, very important, and it holds true for the Christian soldier as well. Lack of communication with God will lead to a disaster in your spiritual walk. You will only become weak if you do not pray. Those that do not grow, I will tell you every time a person that struggles, I will ask them, how is your prayer life going? Now, they may come back and first say, well, I pray. But then we ask, how do you pray? How often do you pray? What do you pray? Because all of those things are different. So you can perceive as though you're praying a lot, but you may not be as much as you think you are. Anybody with me now? Pay attention. We might learn something today my mom always said. Here we go. Every Christian, I believe, wants a better prayer life. Every Christian would at least believe that they would be like to be more consistent with our prayer life. Is that true? Give me an amen. Okay. So it's something that we have in common that we know that we'd like to be able to pray more or pray more or take more time to do that. Well, we all want to do that, but there's no, there's the wanting something and getting something and doing something. Someone wrote it like this. He said, I may want a new car. I may dream of someday having a new car. 
I may even go to the dealership and drive a new car, but at some point I have to count the cost and I have to decide whether or not I'm going to purchase a new car. Now with that, something else has to be given up in my life for me to purchase that new car. So there is something else that I have in reality chosen in my life over having a new car. I still wish that I had a new car, but wishing has never gotten me a new car. It's a decision that you have to make in your life. We all live pretty much with what we choose in our life. Now, some things just befall us. It just happens. It comes our way. And that hits most of us at some point in our lives, and some seemingly a little heavier than others. But truly, in our lives, we live the way we live because we choose to live the way we live. This means yes today. All right. It's hard to say and it's hard to hear, but it is the truth. My prayer life, your prayer life, is what you choose for it to be. It's your choice. It's something you choose. Talent, skill, age has nothing to do with it. Education has nothing to do with it. Fancy words has nothing to do with it. Being a new Christian or a seasoned Christian has nothing to do with it. You choose how much you want to communicate with God. Question. How much communication is going on between you and God? How much? You see, to grow spiritually, you have to evaluate yourself. Can't evaluate your parents or your mate or your friends or someone else. You have to evaluate yourself. The good news is, the good news is that we have the power to choose something different. We have the power today, this morning, to choose to live a life of prayer fuller than when we came in through those doors today. That's the good news. And every day you wake up, God gives you a new opportunity. Every single day, don't look at your past and say, man, I was really, I didn't pray as much as I should have and so on and whatever. Don't worry about that. If he got you up today, you can say, today I can spend more time with God if I choose to. If I choose to. To the world, prayer is wasted time. It's foolishness. For the Christian prayer is a conversation with the one that created all things, knows all things, and gives all things. And for the Christian, it is our very breath of life. The healthiest Christian that you know can soon be weak in their spiritual life, ineffective in their walk with God because of a little thing called prayer. It's happened in my life many times. Almost in every single situation where I find myself weak, I discovered one thing was true. God was not, but I was. Because I chose not to walk with God. Enough. Anybody besides me? We got six people. All right. The rest of you guys are real healthy. Spurgeon said it this way. Prayer is the nerve that moves the hand of God. But I like this one. Someone else said... All hell trembles when the weakest saint is on their knees praying. You know why? Because we do it in the name of Jesus. 
Satan and his demons tremble at his name. We are Christian. We are the children of the Most High God. And when we forget that, when we forget that, we become vulnerable and weak. And that spiritual warfare that we talked about down there on the screen, it takes place in our lives because, you see, there is a warfare going on. There is a war going on. And one way that Satan will defeat you in life is to get you to quit communicating with God. The more you talk, time you spend with God, the less time you have Satan spending time with you. It's important in our lives, so there is no doubt. Prayer helps keep you, the believer, centered on Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, of course, we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We do that one way by not only studying His Word. We have to decide to do it. We discover His great love. But then we move through that Word of God, but then we do that by our communication with God, fixing our eyes on Him. Father, we come to You in the name of Jesus. We come. We've fixed our eyes on You. It's nothing else. It's just me and You, God. It is, it is, I'm having coffee with You this morning, God. It is my special time with You, God. I don't want to have anybody else in my life at this very moment. I want to spend time just with You. Now you can know God and you can know what He says. But if you fail to communicate, if you fail to communicate regularly with Him, trust me, you will do your own thing. And doing your own thing spiritually usually leads to you fill in the blank. Let me explain it through the story of God's Word, a story in God's Word. And I say that because... On Monday, I had a plan for the message this week. On Tuesday, I wrote the message. On Wednesday, I was kind of finalizing it. On Thursday morning on my way to work, God said, you ain't doing that one. I was like, huh? And he said, I want you to go, in my spirit, he said, I want you to go to the book of Jonah. I don't know if somebody said something on radio. I don't know if I was thinking about fish fry. I don't know what the deal was, but something hit me to go to the book of Jonah. And so Mike comes in, and we were spending some time together then, and, and I told him, I said, I got to get this stuff down. You remember that? I got to get this stuff down, man. God said, I got to do this from Jonah, and I've not done this part in Jonah before. I've spoke on the book of Jonah many, many, many times, but not in this area. And as fast as I could write, this is the things that I got down. So hang on to your hat. We'll go, okay? Here we go. First of all, book of Jonah, chapter 1. We all know the story. Because when you say Jonah, just like when you say David, you say Noah. You think what? Noah? David? King Goliath, right? And when you say Jonah, you think of? Yeah, that's right. The big fish. doesn't say whale. It's a big fish. But whale sounds good to me, right? All right. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. First of all, I want you to notice, God knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in your city, your community, your world, and in your life. But he wants us to know it's a great city. But it's a wicked great city. All right, here we go. And then he goes on to say, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. You've heard that story a hundred times, haven't you? Anybody ever hear the story of Jonah and the whale before? Yeah. All right. Very good. So you guys should already know what I want to talk about. Here we go. 
Now notice Jonah knew the Lord and even knew what he was supposed to do in this, just in this part. He knew the Lord and he knew exactly what the Lord told him to do. Specific. Wouldn't you love to have a specific from God that said, John, I want you to do this today. He could say, wow, I could do that. But would you? You see, the book of Jonah isn't written for Jonah. It isn't written so that we might look at Jonah's life and say, oh, he was a silly guy or he was a great guy or whatever the case was. The book of Jonah is written for you and me because it relates to you and me. At some point in your life, you will find yourself as Jonah. And there's where we find ourselves today. But he ran away. Sound like anybody you know? Did you ever run away from God? Remember, you're looking at a man that ran 11 years from God. Knowing what God wanted me to do, I ran for 11 years. 11 years of my life. When you run from what you know that God has for you to do in your life, you will always find yourself with no peace and in trouble. Somebody needs to write that down. When you run from what you know that God has for you to do, you will always, you will never find peace and you will find trouble often. Maybe I could put it that way. Now, one reason is because of disobedience, of course. You don't obey God, you don't get his blessings. You obey God, you get his blessings. Sounds good, doesn't it? So I should desire to obey him more. So if I read his word, I know more of his word, I get more of his blessing. I don't know his word, I can miss the blessing. Follow it? Spiritual growth. That's the way it works. But the second is because you have cut off the communication. You have, not God. God does not cut off his communication to you. You cut your communication off to God. He's just waiting on you. Because remember, he knows all things. I promise you, during those 11 years of running from God, I went to church, I sang the songs, I drank the juice, I broke the cracker. I even led the public prayer on many occasions, sang songs as the song leader during that time. But I will tell you, my personal prayer time was always surface at best. Write it down. Surface prayers get surface results. Most pray surface. Most get surface. Surface prayers. It's like you run in a hundred yard dash one time thinking that you somehow qualify for the Olympics. That worked that easy. And it's not that easy. It takes time. Now, I always love to read these stories and know that things were going on. You know, it may skip hours, it may skip weeks, it may skip months from one verse to the next or a day or two. I like to think in this verse or during this time that when we read about Jonah here, God says, I like to think of Jonah. Do you think Jonah was walking down the dock to purchase a ticket to Tarshish instead of Nineveh? Do you think he's walking down that dock saying, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. You think he was doing that? I don't think so. I think it was more like Sinatra or Elvis. I did it my way. Because that's what we do, isn't it? We know what God wants us to do, but we don't do what God wants to do because I did it. That's right, your way. You guys didn't sound any better than I did, so don't make them fun. So the first thing that I want you to remember and never, ever, ever forget is that in this process, never stop the communication that God wants to have with you. Pray. Do it. You know how you will pray more? Do you know how you'll pray more? 
By praying more. Duh. Right? You just do it. All right. Jonah chapter 2. Second thing happens. From inside the fish of the Jonah, or from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Chapter 1, God talks to Jonah. Chapter 2, Jonah talks to God. And then he says these words. He said, in my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me from the deep in the realm um, of the dead. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Notice here that this time, again, Jonah is talking to God. And how often have we done this before in our lives? We get in a mess, and then we call out to God. Anybody ever do that besides me? Please be honest and raise your hand and make me feel a little bit better. Is when we get in trouble, then we call out to God. When will we ever learn that that it doesn't doesn't work? That it just doesn't work out very good that way. When will we ever learn that we can prevent a lot of heartaches in our lives if we call out to God first? First, it's prevention. It helps you. It's good for you. It's like taking your vitamin in the morning. It's important for you. It's an insurance policy that you you redeem every day in your life. It's so valuable for you. But in this process, we often wait until we hit rock bottom. Now, we teach our children to think through things first. We ask them and teach them to go to good counsel or seek good counsel in their lives. And too often, many of them refuse it, and they end up in a world of hurt for themselves, but it also hurts us. Why? Because your sin affects me. Why? Because we are family. That's why. Hmm. I think it's time that we take our own medicine there. We teach our children those things, then we need to take it for ourselves. Second thing I want you to see in this particular verse is, I want you to notice here that God listens to us when we cry out for help. Say amen. It is so wonderful to know that God hears us when we yell for help in our lives. There is no depth which you can fall that God can't hear you and reach you. Some people think they've gone too far. I'm just over it. He'll never have me back. That is a lie from Satan himself. There's no depth that you can fall that God can't redeem you from if you call out in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right. Now, that doesn't mean, and please understand, because some people take that as, oh, I get a free gift. I can just dive into sin all I want to. No, because in this, it doesn't mean that you won't take a whale of a ride before you get spit out of your trouble. And you might come out a little stinky on the other side. Can you imagine being spit out of the belly of this fish after three days in the belly of that thing? I can only, he, he may have blonde hair falling out, stinking. I don't like fish to begin with, and I'm sure I don't like the guts of a fish. This guy had some cologne that would not go away. In this, you and I can avoid a lot of trouble if we pray before, during, and after the decisions in our life. Our spiritual growth relies on communication with God on a regular basis. Question, how you doing? Again, an evaluation. 
In other words, if God were to be standing right here and he said, uh, Harley, how much time did you spend with me this week in prayer? And everybody could hear. How many minutes? How much time would it be? Would God say, hey, I haven't heard from you this week. How come? Or would he say, thank you for the time that we spent together this week. It was valuable for you, wasn't it? Jonah chapter 3. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Aha, he's learned his lesson. Perhaps, but maybe not. Did you almost learn your lesson, but not? Sound like you're on the right trail for a little bit? Well, this is the Jonah guy. <clears throat> Here he is in chapter 3. Man, this is a good one. Watch this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. Not only a great city, it's a very large city. It took three days to go through it. It's a big city. Notice, notice the word of the Lord did not change from chapter 1. He didn't change one thing. Not one thing did he change from chapter 1, his first command. Go. God has never changed his command to his people. He never will. Do you know what his command is? Go. Matthew 28. All Christians are commanded to go. Go into all the world. So, oh man, I can't be a missionary. No, your world. You step outside of this building, you're in the world. Wherever your world is, is wherever you're at. And we are to go. Listen, our responsibility is to listen to God. We are to meditate. Then we are to listen to God. We are to obey God in that process. We are to keep the line of communication open because our spirit connects with his spirit. And as we move through that, he guides us. He protects us. But he strengthens us as we do what God would have us to do. This time, Jonah did not run. He obeyed. Good for Jonah. I have a feeling, though, through this period of time that I believe Jonah's relationship with God was pretty good. Those days that he walked through the city, he has one task, turn or burn. That's it. That's his whole message. Ring the bell. Turn or burn, turn or burn, 40 days, turn or burn, turn or burn. That's all he had to say. His message was not long like Harley's. It was turn or burn. And so as he's going through there, he's doing all those things. And I just got to believe his his relationship with God, smelling like a fish walking down that, that street. He's saying, God, am I doing it right? <laughs> Did I get it right this time? I'm doing it for you, Lord. I'm serving you, Lord. I just believe his conversation with God is wide open at this point. Because I think he had a lot more to say down in the belly of that fish than we read about in the Scripture. Certainly he had a lot of time to think about it, just as Paul was when Paul was blinded. Saul was blinded on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. For three days he was blinded. And he's left there. What am I going to do? What am I going to? How am I going to take care of myself? All of those things went in our lives. And in our lives they go through like that as well. We go through periods of our lives like that, don't we? And then when God somehow spits us out of the whale that we found ourselves in, we are then like, yeah, Lord, I know where I come from. And boy, I'm trying to serve you all I can do. As we go through our daily lives, we should also talk with the Lord because it keeps us centered again on what it is that God would have us to do in our lives. Now, remember last week, I challenged you to read God's word. You remember that? I challenged all of us to read God's word five minutes every day. How did you do? Did you do seven days? Five minutes. Did you do it? How about four days? How about three days? How about 
two days. How about, I, I, man, I was going to do that, but I forgot. That's just being honest, and you already know the answer to that. The great thing is you can start again today. The reason why I challenge you to do that, because I challenge you for one month. Why? Because in twenty, it takes 21 days to build a habit. 21 days. You want to quit eating certain food? You got to do it for 21 days, and you'll break that habit. Drinking, whatever those things are, there's a period of time you've got to recondition yourself. It is a struggle period of time. But if you look at the reward at the end of that struggle period of time, you'll desire to do it the next day and the next day and the next day until it becomes a good habit instead of a bad habit. So I challenge you five days or, or to, to read God's Word five minutes um, every day for a month. Because in that month, I believe you'll pick up that new habit, and I believe that you will desire more of God's Word instead of less. You want to kick it up a notch? You, somebody's saying, man, I did all seven days, man. I like to kick this thing up a notch. It's like me working out. This is my workout. And Jeff and Mike and all those guys that work out down here at the gym, they're nuts. They do this blaster thing, and guys on and I mean, I couldn't do three minutes with those guys. You want to step it up a notch? Turn the volume up. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to pray five times a day. Now somebody's going, holy schmoly, five times a day. I didn't say five hours five times a day because it couldn't fit in. If you do the math, it doesn't work. But nonetheless, I didn't say that. But five times a day, when you get up, God, you got me up this morning for a reason. Thank you. May I do something that glorifies you today. Secondly, Lord, I'm about to leave for work. My family's about to leave to school, work, whatever it is. Bless them, bless me. Help me to do something productive today in your kingdom. Somewhere in the middle of the day, you just thank God for being who you are. For all the blessings that you have, the job that you have, the position that you have, that you've put me in, God. Help me to do something productive for the people that I work for so that I might shine for you even if I don't like my job. On your way home, pray for your family. God, I am the husband of this family. I am the, I am the husband, I'm the father, and help me to be when I walk through those doors to leave all the cares about the day behind me, because when I walk through those doors, I want to shine for you, because I want to be the best husband, the best father that I can be, and the only way I can do that is to shine for you. Help me, oh Lord. And then at the end of the day, simply say, God, thank you for today. I know that I haven't done everything that you wanted to me, me to do perfectly, so I ask for forgiveness. But if you wake me up in the morning, Father, give me more strength tomorrow to do a better job. Is that so hard? It's not, is it? So I want to challenge you. So I've challenged you now with the reading. I've challenged you now with the praying. I want to see you in a month. And I want to see what it's done. Once again, somebody's going to come and they're going to say, well, I did that, but really nothing's happened. I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you last week. Keep reading and keep praying because there will be a breakthrough in your life. Give me an amen. But here's where we have to be careful in verse number 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from the Turner burn, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. God was going to toast that city, but because of what, uh, what um, Jonah did, they repented and he relented. Now watch. When we do what God would have us to do, we have to keep in mind it is left up to him as to what the outcome will be, good or bad, in our eyes. This is really important in our lives, in our prayers as well. 
In other words, do what He calls us to do and leave the results up to Him. You may not like the results, but if they're from God, I guarantee you they're right every single time. Every time. Now, this is what it, 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 this is what gets me about this. You would think that at this moment, Jonah would be elated. I mean, he would be ecstatic at the news of this entire great city. For in three days, one man, in three days, one man had a revival that changed the entire city. You would think he would be walking around, dude, Billy Graham ain't got nothing on me. I'm good to go. You would think that that's what he would think in his life. Jonah chapter 4, as we move out to the close, here we go. Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. Oh my. Are you angry because somebody's blessed and you're not? People get that way. Watch. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. (laughs) And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Questioning God. This is what I tried to prevent by fleeing to Tarshish. Then he switches over almost, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. He, he, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take just take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's how I read that anyway. Notice this time, Jonah is keeping his uh, the communication open once again. Chapter 1, God talks to Jonah. Chapter 2, Jonah talks to God. Chapter 3, God talks to Jonah. Chapter 4, Jonah talks to God. It's a communication going on, but watch what happens. This time, through prayer. But in the doing of the prayer, he is angry, and I believe he's arrogant. He's a little stuck up here. It appears to me that about halfway through, though, the prayer, he, he catches himself. He's questioning God, but then he's all of a sudden now he's, he's blessing God. He's saying, God, I know that you are this gracious and compassionate God. But then he tries to do what we do with each other too often, and that is, woe is me, God. Look at all what I have done for you, and this is how I get repaid. Why, I just assume be dead and go through all this humiliation. That's how I read that. I don't know if that's how he said it, but to me it's a a sarcastic remark or the way he presents that. Why would he want to die? Why would he want to die? Look at just what had taken place. God had spared him from death, certain death. God had awarded him by saying, watch when you what you did, because you told these people they came and repented. But now you want to die? Makes no sense to me. It's like it's just thrown in there. And that's why I see it as that way. May not be, and some scholar could probably teach differently. God came back and he said this. You can't play that game with me. And you do that, uh, woe is me with each other, but you can't do that, woe is me with God. We just can't do it. We try. 
Did Jonah think, now think about this, did Jonah think that in this moment that he says that to God, praise this prayer to God, did he think that God was going to say, oh, I'm so sorry, Jonah. I didn't realize what you were doing back then. I didn't realize that that's what you meant in all of that you were doing and you were fleeing from me. I didn't really understand all that. I'll tell you what, I'll be right back. I'm going to go toast this city and I'm going to get you back to Hawaii. I'm going to put you on that beach and I'm going to give you a nice little drink with an umbrella on top of it. So you can get on with your busy, important life. Hmm. Nope, God didn't say that, did he? He said, is it right for you to be angry with me? Now, Jonah doesn't say it at this point, but he does just a little bit later in the chapter. And he actually tells God, yes, I do. Boy, oh boy, he is really testing God, isn't he? It's the only book in the Bible that ends with a question. No answer. Next book. There's a page missing. It's not missing. And in this moment, God says, is it right for you to be angry with me? Listen to this, write it down. Angry prayers connected with preconceived entitlements usually end in bad results. He wanted the prayer. He thought what was going to happen, I'm going to walk through the city, you're going to toast them, and I'm going to go on my way, and I'll live happily ever after because they're all wicked people anyway. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to learn to leave your anger and your arrogance at the foot of the cross as well. You cannot grow spiritually with anger in your heart. And the great thing about God, He allows us to get that puke that stuff out of us. It didn't say it's easy. You may have to puke every morning when you get up. But everybody that does it feels a whole lot better than keeping it in. Let me say this. Let's put it this way. Say you're angry, not at God, but someone else. And I'm going to talk about forgiveness because spiritual growth is connected to forgiveness in your life. How you get forgiveness, but how you extend forgiveness. Because some people will teach you that if someone doesn't ask you to forgive them, you do not have to forgive them. That is not the truth, and that is not the teaching of God's holy word. You cannot justify that in your life. We try to. We try to. It will be a struggle for you to do so, but that's what God calls us to do. And if you try to do it on your own, it's impossible. With God, all things are... Amen. You're listening. Now watch. In this... Let's say that you're angry, not at God, but someone that has hurt you deeply and you have done all the things, all the things that you're required to do. Every single last one of them. God, if you approach the throne with anger and resentment or arrogance because look what I've done, I've done all these things, but you still haven't done your part. It can hinder your prayer life, which will hinder your spiritual growth. It stunts you. And we don't like that in our lives. In James chapter 4, it simply repeats a, a segment of the Old Testament where it said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Create in me a clean heart, O God, David said. David found that out. He, he, there were things that he went through in his life, but created me a clean heart, oh God. Created me a clean heart, oh God. You may have to say it a thousand times in one day. When it creeps into your mind, you may have to say, God, I am not strong enough to carry this, but I know that you are. 
create in me a clean heart, oh God. As we close this, here's the deal. More questions. Is there something that God has given you to do in your life and you haven't been, or you have been a little stubborn like me and you've kind of run away from God or the thing that God has called you to do? Maybe deep down inside, God has simply called you to pray a little bit more each day. To build the relationship that you have with Him so that you might grow but you haven't taken the time to do that. And you know that. Whatever it is, know this, that he is still waiting for you. I remember when we were in high school, Don and I were dating. We started dating in ninth grade in high school. And I remember that on the days, I would Sundays I would go over to her house. and Well, every day of the week I'd go over there. But nonetheless, on Sundays... Their family would sometimes go out to dinner and we'd give them family time and they'd stop by and see the other grandma and grandpa. And I would sit by the phone upstairs. I don't think I ever told you this. I would sit by the phone and I would dial her number, 423-3423, 423-3423. They didn't have speed dial back then, but buddy, I was a speed dialer. And it would just ring and ring and ring and ring. And then, well, it was on a party line. Some aunt would pick up, but anyway... I would, I would wait for it to ring back and just wait and wait and wait and wait because I knew if the phone rang, it would be her saying, I'm home. Come on over. And when the phone rang, what do you think I did? Ah, I got to wash my hands. I got to take my time. Hello, yeah, I might come over. No. I'm like, hello, I'll be there. That was pretty much it because I knew it was waiting for me. My southern bell. Would you please understand that God longs, He's just waiting for you to talk with Him. Doesn't it want to make you want to call Him? I pray that it does today. Or perhaps there is something, listen to this one, or perhaps there's something God hasn't released unto you because you have failed to ask Him. If you don't have Him as your Savior, for instance, the only reason why you don't have God as your Savior is because you haven't asked Him. If you ask Him today, He will save you. Why not start now and see what is in store for you? Your walk with Him is meant to be special. Take time to build that special relationship with Him. For He's told you time and time again how special you are to Him by giving His one and only Son in order that you could have a relationship with Him. He loves you. Why not love Him back? Talk to Him. Maybe that's what you want to do right now. We have some elders and others that will come and pray with you right now and we'll talk with God with you. Right now, for whatever your need is, I know I've taken too much of your time today, but this is important in our lives. And thank you for your patience. God bless you. Whatever your need is, you come right now. Let's get it.